Welcome to the Stony Plain Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community that is about discovering fullness of life for everyone by practicing the way of Jesus together. Morning, everyone. I get the privilege of reading today's scripture. Um, So we'll be reading from Mark uh, chapter 9, verses 14 to 29. If you want to follow along or turn to that in your Bible or device. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. The man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son, who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground, he foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at his mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, Jesus, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said. I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed, and violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this can come out only by prayer. The word of the Lord. Let me add my uh, good mornings to all the good mornings you've heard already. Great to be with you today. My name is Wade, and I help out around here from time to time. So if you're in the room or joining us online, it's great to be with you. If you do have a Bible, I invite you to open it. The scripture was up on the screen, but uh, whether on your device or on a physical Bible, just open that up to uh, Mark chapter 9, verses 14 to 29. For the next few moments, I want us to move into this story. And as I've prayed for you this week, I feel like God has some things to reveal to us today. And so to have the scriptures open, if you want to write some things down, highlight them. Even outside of the things you're going to hear from me, I believe the Holy Spirit speaks to you. The voice of Jesus will prompt you about something you may see in the text. And uh, this is a moment in our week together uh, when we can pause from all the stuff out there and say, Jesus, now speak to us about what you want to say. We're continuing in our walk through the Gospel of Mark, which we've been in for a few months. And the Gospel writer Mark is trying to do a couple of things in, this, in these, kind of these first nine or ten chapters of the gospel. First, he's trying to establish the uniqueness of Jesus as the true Son of God. That in many of the stories, he's, he, Mark is saying, listen, Jesus is not just another prophet. He's not just a really good teacher. He's not someone that's a miracle worker only. This is God in the flesh walking among us. And he's saying, if you want to know what the character and personality, the nature of God is like, look at this Jesus. He's revealing what God is really like, for it's God himself among us. But secondly, he's showing that Jesus has authority. I mean, that's one of the big themes of the book of Mark. It's like wherever Jesus goes, he walks with this authority. 
But there's a really unique and interesting point about the authority of Jesus being revealed in this gospel. It's this, that Jesus doesn't use his authority like other people with power. You know, in our day, in the days of Jesus, most people that get authority and power, they use it to elevate their own position. That's almost what we expect. But here we see Jesus always using his authority to serve people. Jesus is constantly confronting and overcoming, on, overcoming all the other powers and authorities that oppress and harm people by actively setting people free. So we're seeing in Jesus, he has all this authority, he has all this power, but he doesn't do it for this like self-aggrandizing thing. He says, I'm going to serve and set people free. This is the nature and character of God to move with love and mercy and compassion and have people overcome. I will overcome for them all the things that are set against them. And that's what's happening in our text today. If we back up, I was here a few weeks ago, we talked about the transfiguration. It's where Jesus, along with three disciples, went up on this mountaintop. And there was this encounter with Moses and Elijah and a voice from heaven, God the Father, speaking his affirmation over Jesus' identity. He says, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. And so there's been this mountaintop experience of the true identity of Jesus being revealed to his disciples. And Jesus even saying on that mountain, hey, um, can you guys not talk about this until after I'm raised? So this was like a, he said, can I hang on to this story because you're not really going to understand it until after the resurrection. I love that we got to celebrate Easter last week and I tuned in from Calgary for the service. And uh, what an incredible celebration of the resurrection of Jesus. You know, Jesus is talking with these disciples as they're coming down the mountain. He's instructing them about the kingdom of God. And they come down the mountainside after this incredible mountaintop experience, both literally and figuratively. You know, you talk about mountaintop experiences. You've had them in your life. I've had them. Where it seems like, some people have called it the thin place, where, the, where heaven and earth seems, the veil seems to disappear and you're in this incredible communion with God. Well, they've had this incredible moment with God the Father and God the Son, the presence of the Spirit, and they're coming down the mountain and right back into chaos. Kind of sounds like life, doesn't it? You know, we can't live on the mountaintop forever, and there is this sense about our walk with Jesus that there will be these encounters that prepare us and deepen us as apprentices of Jesus, but inevitably, isn't there always the walk back into chaos? And so they come down the mountain, and chaos has erupted among the disciples because there's this argument happening. And this is where we come into our text. Jesus comes down the mountain, Peter, James, and John along, and the disciples and religious leaders are having an argument. And yet people see Jesus and they immediately are overwhelmed with wonder. They're just like, oh, finally, Jesus is here. Because they're watching this debate, this argument, this confusing, chaotic moment between religious leaders and Jesus' disciples. And Jesus moves in with authority, right? So here the one with authority has arrived. Like the one we actually need in this situation has come and they're filled with wonder while there's just bickering going on. And Jesus comes into the situation among his disciples and these religious leaders and he asks them, "Uh, why are you arguing? What's this about? And at this point we learn what the chaos was about. Because a man from the crowd speaks. There's, so imagine this, you gotta get get the scene in your head. Jesus, Peter, James, and John come down the mountain. They see an argument between these religious leaders and the disciples, and then kind of this group, this crowd scattered around, maybe watching the debate. And Jesus says, what are you arguing about? 
The disciples don't answer. The religious leaders don't answer. A man answers from out of the crowd, and he says, uh, they're kind of arguing about my situation. I'm kind of the point of the debate here. And this person says, you see, I have a son. And my boy is here with me. And we're desperate. Because you see, this thing happens to him. Jesus, where this evil spirit kind of seizes him. And it keeps him from speaking. And this power of darkness kind of throws him to the ground. And it makes him foam at the mouth. And he grinds his teeth. And he gets rigid or he like loses all of his strength. He goes completely weak. Oh, and by the way, um, the disciples, your followers, they tried to deal with this evil spirit and couldn't. You know, hence the debate. Notice Jesus' answer in verse 19. This is a troubling verse. Because Jesus says, you unbelieving generation. Whoa! Like, hit, Right? How long must I be around you? How much, how much longer should I tolerate this? It's a really surprising answer from Jesus, right? Because you have the religious leaders, you have the disciples, you have this crowd, you've got a man, you've got this boy. And Jesus hears about this argument and the situation, and his response is, you unbelieving generation, what is with you people? And we're a little shocked by that. Seems harsh, doesn't it? Like, what is Jesus so upset about here? Is he frustrated with the dad? Not at all. Is he frustrated with the boy? No, not at all. You see, remember that argument that they're having. Disciples and religious leaders are arguing. What are they actually in conflict about? Well, what they're arguing about, probably, it doesn't reveal in the text, kind of implies it in the text, is probably like demon deliverance methodology, right? Like how you go about doing these things. Because within the synagogue temple system, there was a way of dealing with unclean spirits. And the disciples were learning another way about how to deal with evil spirits. And so there's this collision of methodological, theological um, disagreement. And these folks have now engaged in this. And so Jesus hears this. He sees this man. He sees this poor boy. And he sees two groups arguing. And Jesus is upset because there's a group of people arguing about a situation while a boy and his dad are suffering. And they're over here arguing. Notice their argument actually marginalized the person in need to the point that the boy and his dad were just part of the crowd. So Jesus comes into a situation and what has been centered? An argument has been centered. Methodology has been centered. Ideas have been centered. What has been marginalized? A person for the sake of an argument. You know, it's interesting, that word unbelieving, when Jesus says, you're in this unbelieving generation, this group of people. That word unbelieving, it doesn't mean doubt. It doesn't mean, now oh, we've got some questions. It's a really powerful word, actually. It refers to, like, actively or... Uh, actively rejecting or refusing to acknowledge what God is doing. It's like this rebellion against, this movement against what God is up to, especially when what God is doing is new. And there's this sense in which we need to push back against what God is doing. See, Jesus, this whole time, has been showing about the inbreaking of the kingdom of God. What does it look like when God's kingdom comes and his will is done right here on earth like it is in heaven? And as this inbreaking of God's kingdom is moving about with power and authority and setting people free, there are some people who are not only just not believing it, 
They're in active resistance against the movements of God and are keeping others from believing it. And so this man and this boy come to this situation looking for help. They're desperate. And what happens is this group of people get involved in an argument and a debate over the finer points of methodology and how they're going to deal with this. And Jesus says, listen, here's what I see. I come down the mountain with my disciples and I see this situation and I know what's happening. There are people engaged in this debate who not only don't believe about me and my power, what I'm doing, you're keeping other people from experiencing the life-giving love of God. And he's angry about it. He's upset that people would do that. Jesus is angered by a religious system and man-made rules that are keeping people from experiencing the love and freedom and power of God. And he says, enough. Enough of this. And you know, friends, honestly, like it's something, as followers of Jesus today, we have got to watch out for this. I mean, how many times have churches, denominations, organizations, groups get caught up fighting and arguing about methodologies while literally people are dying to be part of community and to be accepted for who they are and to experience the life-giving power of Jesus? How many times have we found ourselves engaged in arguments and debate and we've centered the discussion and marginalized the person? And we talk about people who are on the outsides in our society. We talk about the people who have yet to be included with open arms within church gatherings here and, and, and everywhere. And we, what we end up doing, we end up getting off to the side and arguing about how it should be. And meanwhile, we have desperate people longing for community, longing for the power of God to be experienced in their lives. And we're over here arguing the finer points. And Jesus says, forget your arguments. Center the people. Go to the margins. Find out who's outside the conversation. Don't make this a hypothetical thing about how stuff ought to be done. You've got to bring people to the center, the people who are most on the outside. Because that's what this boy and this man were. With this boy being like this, they wouldn't have been able to participate in spiritual and religious life. They were marginalized in all sorts of ways. And yet the argument had been centered and the person was on the side and Jesus says, you're actively resisting the inbreaking of God's kingdom through your arguments. Stop it. I'm going to show you another way. And friends, we've got to watch out for this. If we find ourselves engaged in debate and everything's a hypothetical about that group or that person or whatever else, we've lost the plot. Set aside the arguments. Be devoted to the people that seem like they're on the outside and center the person. Bring people from the margins to the center. And in that, we'll be doing the work of Christ. Okay, moving on. Jesus has the boy brought to me. He says, bring this boy to me. And this evil spirit reacts, right? And Jesus moves with compassion into the story and into the experience. And it's really, here we see one of the most well-known statements in all of Scripture. The dad brings the boy. And Jesus says, what's the issue? And the dad says, well, have mercy on us. And help us if you can. And I love, Jesus. <laughs> I love Jesus' answer. If? If I can? Really? Have you not been around? <laughs> uh, if I can. He says, it's possible if you believe. And maybe that's a little problematic for us too. We'll get to that in a second. And the dad says, I love this statement. Have you, 
for those who've been around the church and the scriptures, it's like the dad, this most honest confession. Oh, I do believe. Can you help the unbelief part in me that's kind of coming to the surface here? And what's so fascinating here is that these words of belief and unbelief in these verses are different than the word unbelief in verse 19. English lets us down sometimes when we're reading the Bible. In verse 19, the unbelief was that idea of active resistance against God. The words of belief, and I help my unbelief here, it's that word of belief being trust, and the unbelief being I'm just unsure. I just don't know. I'm not completely convinced. And this man saying, oh, I, I'm, I'm getting the picture, Jesus. I'm getting the picture of who you are. I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure. This man is saying, I, Jesus, I really think you're the Messiah. I really think you are who you say you are, but I'm just not 100% sure. And what's at stake here is the life of my boy, and I'm not sure if I can trust you with what is most precious to me. I'm not 100% sure I want to believe. Oh, Jesus, I do. I want to believe wholeheartedly. But I confess that there's this unbelief part in me that I can't overcome, because what if you're just like all the other religious leaders? What if all that's going to happen here is condemnation? What if all that's going to happen here is just, well, try this and this and this, and we throw up our hands? And so this dad is standing here with what is most precious to him. Notice Jesus would bring the boy to me. Like, will you give me your son? And the man says, oh, I, I believe you can. But with what is most precious to me, I don't know if I can trust you. I don't know if you're as good as I think you are. Man, what a true and authentic confession is that, hey? Eh? I love that. Well, Jesus sees a larger crowd gathering, of course, right? Rubberneckers on the road. What's happening, right? Everybody comes over to see what the commotion's about. And so Jesus, not wanting to make a scene or embarrass or needlessly humiliate this father and his son, he immediately deals with the evil spirit. He deals with the evil spirit, and the boy is healed. Interestingly, the boy's like, situation gets a little worse before it gets better, right? Everyone thinks he's dead. Oh, Jesus has killed the kid. No, no, it's okay. He's fine. Get up. And people are still a little misunderstanding what Jesus is about, that Jesus is not a death dealer. He's a life giver. And even when things seem dead and hopeless, boy, Jesus can give life, can he? Some of us have that testimony in our hearts. And later in the house, I just love this, the disciples decide to do like a little a little review, a little debrief from their ministry endeavor here and ask Jesus, um, so why didn't our ministry work out? Our ministry wasn't successful. Boy, we gave it the real college try with that evil spirit, but man, we kind of got our butts kicked today. And Jesus says, yeah, you did. You really did. And then makes this interesting statement. He says, you failed to realize something, that there's a kind of darkness that can only be dealt with through prayer. Some translations say prayer and fasting. What's Jesus saying? He's saying, listen, you really tried to deal with the situation, but you dealt with it from your perspective, with your power, with your understanding, and it didn't go so well. There is some degrees of darkness. It's not just going to take your good efforts. It actually takes the humility of spirit to say, Jesus, we can't do this, and we need you. Fascinating story as we move through Mark, and I just, what does it mean? What's the Holy Spirit saying to the church? They both, you folks in the room, to me, to those joining us online, there was two things um, I want us to consider and reflect on in the days to come. 
And I think the first one is this. You know, back to this dad and his son. This beautiful encounter where a boy gets set free. And by the way, like in this, I'm not going to get into like deliverance methodology and everything else like that. I think there's some other things being talked about in this text. And I think one of the questions being asked is this. Where are the areas of our lives that we have yet to trust Jesus in? Like, where's the unbelief parts in our lives? You know, I wonder in our walking with Jesus, and at Stony Plain, you guys talk about apprenticing with Jesus, being apprentices in the, in the life-giving way of Jesus, like fullness of life, by walking in the way of Jesus. And really what it takes to be an apprentice, so much of it is the surrendering of preferences, the surrendering of powers, the surrendering of agendas for and the better way of Jesus, but it's hard. It's hard especially when we're holding things that are precious to us. And I just wonder in how many of our stories, if I was to ask you, do you believe Jesus? Oh, absolutely, he's so good, I love Jesus. I mean, if we were to have a really honest conversation and I would ask you, okay, where's the unbelief part? Like, is there something you're holding on to or that I'm holding on, things I've prayed through this week, things that are precious to me? You know, things that, are, <laughs> things that aren't precious, we easily surrender. The things that are precious to us, man, it's hard to surrender. Because we wonder if Jesus is as good as he says he is. And so there's this unbelief in us that Jesus does not condemn. He's not judge us for He's proving himself faithful again and again and again, and he's reaching into those places of unbelief where we're wondering if he's good. You know, maybe you're like me, and there's situations within a, within a home, a family, a future, whatever else. You know, I think about my own children, a dad to five kids, oldest 21, youngest 13. Um, and there are times, you know, at the different stages of life they're at, or I'm concerned for each of them in different ways. And so I pray for my kids. I pray for my kids every day. And you know what Jesus was, you know, this week talking to me about was this idea that there's places in my relationship with my own children I have yet to give to Jesus because they are so precious to me. And if I really hand that, like if I go hands off on this and say, Jesus, I'm going to trust you with their future. I'm going to trust you with their decisions. I'm going to trust you with what you're doing in their lives and not try to, not try to manage their story towards an end that suits me. But I'm going to trust you with how you're working in their life and how you're developing their story. And I will be there not to guide it to a preferred outcome that suits me, but I will surrender their story and journey to Jesus and walk with them. You know what I found myself on Thursday doing? When Jesus is asking me, do you trust me? Like, do you believe that I will be good to them? Oh, Jesus, yeah, absolutely, I believe. But ah, there's this unbelief part. Like, Jesus, I know you're good, but um, you probably need my hands on this situation too, don't you? Like, uh, you could probably use my influence here. And my prayer became, Jesus, I do believe, I do believe you. But in the things that are most precious to me, I do, I struggle to trust you but I want to. Notice that prayer. Help me overcome the unbelief part. And Jesus moves in with power. And I wonder how many of us, maybe today, in the next few moments, in reflection, can we start talking about the unbelief part? Maybe you've got someone you want to pray with. 
There's prayer ministry after uh, the service here. For those online, there's a little button you can even click to be prayed for. And maybe when we ask Jesus, Jesus, would you show me, where's the unbelief part? Like, what's the thing that I'm holding so precious to me that I want to believe you're good, but I'm just not sure? Like, let's start naming that in prayer together and saying, Jesus, help us overcome the unbelief part. Because as, as apprentices and followers of Jesus, that surrender of what is most precious, it opens up the power of God in our lives and of those around us in ways that we can't even imagine. There's first, something to consider. But second, you know, friends, if we're going to see the darkness, darkness pushed back, it's going to take a community that's a praying community. All of our strategies, vision, mission, statements, all the stuff that we could come up with will be powerless against the darkness unless we have first bowed our knee before Jesus and have him lead the way. You know, ultimately, that's what prayer is. Prayer is not about us getting God to do stuff for us. It's about assuming a, a humble posture that acknowledges, Jesus, we can't, but you can. It starts in that place of, there is a power that is beyond me that is required for this kind of situation. And I don't know the tri-region really well yet. I don't know Stony Plain really yet, but if it's like literally every other community in the world, there is darkness that needs to be pushed back in this area. I mean, it's everywhere. And we can come up with ministry strategies and we can come up with ideas of how to, that's just fine. But if we start advancing those things and saying, we've got to get this stuff done, and have not paused to pray and acknowledge the power of Christ, I think we'll be doing a debrief later of why our ministry endeavor wasn't so successful. <laughs> and Jesus will say to us, oh, you've got to pray and fast on this one. You can't just go out and do this stuff on your own. You need me, and I will use you in it. What about becoming a community of prayer? You know, I thought this week, I was like, Jesus, are you asking people to pray more? It's like, no. I don't think it's like do better, pray more. Because I'll be honest, honestly, one of the journeys of my life, despite being a follower of Jesus most of my 47 years on earth, prayer has never come natural to me. Prayer is hard for me. I don't come by it naturally. And so I, I pray the prayers of Scripture and everything else like that. But this isn't a, hey, Wade, you just pray harder. You know, clench your teeth a little tighter in prayer. Clench your fists tighter. It's not a do better, try harder prayer thing. I feel like this is a statement for a community. Notice Jesus says it to a group, right? And I just wonder, something to pray into here and listen to Jesus about, is Jesus calling Stony Plain Alliance Church to a renewed, a renewed vision for community prayer? I don't know, I think it's something to, worth considering because the darkness, there's some kind of darkness, friends, it doesn't get pushed back until we're people of prayer counting on the power of God to move. Hey, I'm going to call the worship team up, and uh, they're going to lead us uh, in a reflection song, and then we're going to take communion together. So if you want the communion elements, they're on the tables. If you're at home, I invite you to get some bread, some juice, or some wine. We're going to participate in communion in just a moment. But um, allow me to pray just before we uh, continue in worship together. Uh, Jesus, thanks for this community. And uh, yeah, I feel like you've said a, lot, a number of things today and different things are landing on different people's hearts like it did for me as I prayed about this this week. And so in the, in the array of things that have been said, 
the things that have been sung, the things that have been prayed. Um, yeah, I think what we need to do is just pause for a moment and simply ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what is it that you want me to pay particular attention to today? So let's do that. Why don't we be quiet together? Music will play a little bit, which is great. Um, we don't get this opportunity much out of the, all the hours of the week. We have this moment to pause in the context of community and ask Jesus, Jesus, what is it that you want me to pay attention to? Jesus, you have something specific for every single person listening who's been part of this service. I don't know, maybe there's a few of us that it was nothing out of this service, but Jesus has been saying something to you for like a while, and he wants you to pay attention to it about that situation, about that person, about that circumstance, whatever, about that place of surrender. Jesus, you're loving us so, so deeply and so good today. You always do. You're meeting us in our places of belief and unbelief. You're coming right into our stories and showing where you are in our story. You're calling us to be a people of prayer, not just a person, but a people of prayer. And so, Jesus, we ask you, we invite you, love that you're a God of consent. You never force your way. So on behalf of this community, for anyone who's willing and ready, uh, Jesus, we say, say what you want to say. We're here to listen. We don't have to fear you, for you are good. We trust you. In Jesus' name. into our podcast today. To discover more about Stony Plain Alliance Church and its ministries, visit our website at spaconline.com. Grace and peace.